Okay, turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. You notice when I read there in Galatians, Paul said, if I preach circumcision, why am I so persecuted? What he was saying is you can preach circumcision and you can preach man's works, and they're not, they, won't, they, would, they wouldn't have persecuted you. He said the offense of the cross ceased. The, the cross of Christ, that is salvation by grace, is offensive to the natural man, and that's why he was persecuted, and that's why they were persecuted here in the book of Acts. They had been preaching the gospel. Uh, Peter and John had been cast into prison for preaching the gospel. Remember the angel came and delivered them and told them exactly where to go. He said, you go back to the temple and you preach in the temple. It's like they were going to the enemy's territory, right? Marching right in because, you know, that was the seat of religion. That's where all the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the scribes and Sadducees, all them dwelt in that temple. There was nothing in that temple. It was just a form. It was just a sham. It, it was a pretense. The glory done departed a long time ago. When Christ left, it was gone. Nothing but, but works religion was all it was. And they did not want them preaching Christ. They did not want them telling people that the one that they worked so hard to be, get crucified now lives. Because you remember what they said. If we don't seal this tomb, the disciples will come and steal his body and they'll make up a story and they'll say that he was risen from the dead and the life state will be worse than the beginning. We can't let that happen, but that's exactly what happened. Nobody didn't steal the body. He raised his body from the dead. And they're telling me this is your hope. Your hope's not in religion. Your hope's in a person, in Christ. So now we come to verse 33. These men, they, after they found that Peter and the apostles had been delivered by, by the angel, they didn't know how they were delivered, but they were delivered and they sent for them and brought them in before them. In verse 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hung on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. And oh, well, he is, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. He still raises up witnesses, witnesses as martyrs. He said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? To be a witness. When they could tell what they'd seen. They could tell what they heard. Their hands had handled him. No question about it. We are witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. And when they heard that, when they heard what Peter said, they heard more than Peter. The word went forth not just in empty words, it went forth in power, and when they heard that, they were cut to the heart. 
and they didn't cry out saying, what must we do to be saved? They took counsel. They sat down and talked about it, how we can slay them. Oh, these so-called good religious people are going to sit down and have a council and going to plan how they can kill these people without anybody knowing about it. In some back alley or somewhere, said so that's what they did. That why the they cut to the heart. Remember, I said that cutting is like saw a saw cutting a piece of wood. It, it's agitated their heart and their mind and their conscience. And it's kindly ironic that. Men can't get to God, but they can get to the Lord's servants. They say, we'll kill every one of them. For doing what? Telling them the truth. Preaching Christ. They said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And whenever the gospel has been preached, now listen, in the power of God's spirit, it disturbs the enemies of our Lord. It's either... To you that believe the gospel is a sweet savor of life. It's life to you. But to a lost man, a rebel, it's a savor of death. It don't smell life to him. It's the smell of death because it's judgment. Judgment. Wicked men will begin. Our Lord told them to persecute the children of God. As we saw there in the Sermon on the Mount, it says, Matthew 5, verse 10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And that's, out of all the Beatitudes, out of all the characteristics of his children, he elaborates on that one point more than others. That's like three verses just on persecution. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's why they're persecuted. It's for his sake, righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets were they which were before you. Now our text. We read and we'll come back and make some comments. Then stood there up in the council. That council that was sitting around plotting and planning to slay these Disciples, then stood there one up in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law had in reputation among all the people and commanded to be put, put, to put the apostles forth a little space. Let them go out for a little bit. Let us discuss this, discuss this issue. And they said unto them, and said unto those that were there gathered, you men of Israel, take heed. To yourselves, what you intend to do is touching these men. You be careful what, what you're planning to do. For behold, before these days there rose up Theodotus, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who were slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. It came to nothing. He gives another example. And this man rose up, up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished. And all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it's going to come to nothing. 
He's saying if it's just of the flesh, it won't come to nothing. I mean, it will come to nothing. And he doesn't give two examples. But it be but if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily you be found even to fight against God. To, for to him they agreed. And when they called the apostles, they called them back in. And he didn't speak kind words to them. And they'd beaten them. And they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They could have just let them go, but oh no. Oh no, we can't do that. He done told him, you need, you need to be careful what you're doing. You need to be careful what you intend to do. He said, we won't, we, we won't kill them, but we'll make them wish they'd have never been born. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. What did our Lord say? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to preach and to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Like I said, these men were cut to the heart. It means to aggregate, means to means to call indignation. Someone said it's like the mind being torn violently. And severely, men by nature hate Christ, they hate the gospel, and it's not changed. He said, they persecuted the prophets which were before you, and they'll persecute you. But here I want us to see there in verse 34, a man named Gamaliel stood up. Who is this man? They all usually sit down, but he, he stands up. He wants to be heard. It said he was a Pharisee. He was probably not of the Sanhedrin, which someone said was usually made up of the Sadducees. The Sanhedrin was made up of 70 men. And it says he was a doctor of the law. He was a teacher of the Jewish law. He could probably quote it frontwards and backwards. That's what he did. That was his occupation. He was responsible to interpret the law of Moses and probably to persevere and to transmit the traditional law of the Jews. So he was a Pharisee. He was a doctor of the law. And he was a man in high reputation. If you mentioned Gamaliel, everybody would have knew. He was probably the top leader and top teacher in those days. They probably thought, this man kind of knows what he's talking about. Nobody didn't tell him to sit down and be quiet. They let him speak. I bet you could have heard a pen drop. He says, now men young need to be careful what you're getting ready to do here. You need to take heed of the, you need to take time just to clear your head for a minute. Just to think for a minute before you do what you're planning to do. Because he knew what the, they were planning to do. This is serious business. He knew it. He knew it. 
This problem, this man probably knew enough of the law where it says, if you touch one of mine, you've touched the apple of my eyes. Don't touch thou mine anointed. He probably knew that. If you knew the scriptures, he did. He needed, at least in his head, he had a reputation. I thought this was interesting. You remember Simeon when Mary and Joseph brought our Lord into the temple on the eighth day? And the Lord had revealed to Simeon that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Most believe, Gil and Matthew Henry and others said that that man was Gamaliel's daddy. Now, Simeon, we know, knew the Lord. He couldn't die till he'd seen the Lord's Christ. And you think about that. He's immortal till he sees, and he sees him in a babe. But men can live in a household where the gospel's preached and still not know the person of Christ. You know, the other, only other time that this is mentioned, this man Gamaliel, if you would turn with me to Acts chapter 21 and I'll show you. Acts 21.37 And as Paul was to be led into the castle, he said to the chief captain, May I speak unto thee, who said, Can you speak Greek? Art thou, art not thou that Egyptian which before these days man, madest an uproar and led us out into the wilderness four thousand men that were murderers? And Paul said, I am a man, which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a city of no mean city, and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. And when he given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with his hands to the people. And when they were made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, verse 1 of chapter 22, My brethren and my fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silent and saith, and he saith, I'm, a, I'm verily a man, which am a Jew, born of Tarsus, a city of Cilicia, brought up in the city at the feet of who? Gamaliel. If this man had a, if he taught at a university or something, Paul sat and listened and was taught. So when he said that, they knew who this man was. This man had a reputation of knowing things. And Paul, in religion, if you had the, the ability, if you had the intellect to be able to go to the finest school, that's where they would have sent you. You need to go not just to Harvard or to Yale or to Princeton. In those days, you need to go sit at Gamaliel's feet. This man knows, and that's what Paul said, I was taught. But then God taught him the gospel. That's the thing. Then God taught him the gospel. He was a man who knew the law in his head, but as far as, far as we know, as far as I can read, he never gave any evidence that he was a believer. This man knew, though, what these people were planning to do was wrong. Gamaliel said to the apostles, verse 35, let's send them out. 
while we talk this thing over, don't, we don't need them in here. This is just between us. Can you imagine what the, the, the disciples would have thought if they had heard this man say, if this, if, this works, if this work is of God, you're fighting against God. That would have been encouraging because they knew it was of God. But they didn't hear any of that, not the apostles. They kept them out where they discussed these. What are we going to do? He said, you need to take, be careful. And men need to be careful when it comes to these things. I remember there in the Old Testament, these kids were mocking. I don't know all the full detail of, uh, of Elisha. They said, come on, old bald head, bald head. And it said two shoe bearers come out and destroyed them little children. David would not touch God's anointed, even though Saul was a lost man. But this man, I think, I think people that are lost can know some things. Balaam knew a lot of truths, but he didn't know the truth. These men on this council, you, you can imagine what they what are we gonna do about this. They done said a couple of weeks ago we looked at where how far is this gonna grow? It's like it's like it's like a, to them it was a cancer. How are we gonna how are we gonna stop this from spreading? We gotta stamp it out at its roots. They thought that those on the council, they thought that the apostles were a bunch of ringleaders of some sect. They never heard anything like this before, never. They claimed, and they were right, that they were following one Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, whom they knew who had died. And they're claiming to be his followers. They're claiming to be his servants. And they were. They couldn't figure this out. Lost men can't figure out the gospel. It's foolishness to them. Foolishness to them. And so he gives two examples. The first one here is, I think it's tedious. I couldn't find out much about this man, but they were all familiar with him. When he mentioned their name, they knew who he was talking about. What we do see here in the text, it said he boasted that he was someone. We found the text. Yeah, he boasted himself to be somebody. (laughs) He says, I'm somebody. You can follow me, you know. And it said there was 400 men. I think it was 400 men followed him. And someone said, you know, Gil, he talks about Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, that there's a, history says or somebody recorded that he took all these people down to the Jordan River. You know, he thinks he's somebody. And he's going, he's going to pray or do something and open up the Jordan River, you know, like they did when they came into Canaan. And he's just going, God's going to dry up the bottom. They're going to go through on dry shod. That's who this man was. But what he's saying, he's a following. You know what they said? Those apostles are nothing more than that. But we know who that guy was. Have you ever heard of Jim Jones? Some of the others I could mention, you know their names. Uh, uh, was it Jim Jones and they drunk the Kool-Aid? And others. 
Jim Baker and others, I could give you more. We know those men. They, they did have a following. But it come to nothing. Just like this man's did. And it will, ne- it will never amount to anything. They may have a following. But 400 men joined themselves to him. They obeyed this man, and when he died, that's who they worshipped, was that man. They were brought to naught. Their leader's gone. Their leader's dead. They were trusting in a fake and a fraud. Jeremiah 14, 14, Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. And I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them the prophecy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught, and the deceit of their heart. Then he lists another one. Judas of Galilee. Now if you'll notice when we read... There in Acts chapter 21, verse 38. But I think that this man could have had reference to this because he said, Are not thou that Egyptian, which for four days madest an uproar and led us out into the wilderness, 4,000 men, which were murderers? He said, You're just a ringleader. That's all you are. Some believe he led, like I just said, 4,000 people. They fought, those that followed him were cutthroats and murderers. It's just like they come to our Lord one day. Now, you need to remember what these people, what's their way of thinking was. They hated being out front. They hated being under the thumb of the Romans. They couldn't do anything unless the, the Romans allowed them to do it. They sure didn't want to make an uproar because then the Roman army would come down and take care of it. They'd squash it out. Now they them go through their religion and everything, as long as he didn't make no trouble. But if there was any trouble, he'd come down and stop it. You know, as I thought about it, I'm going to try to preach on the radio this Sunday, is Barabbas. You think about Barabbas. He was an insurrectionist. He was, says he was a murderer and a robber. Him and them two other men, why were they going around robbing and, and murdering? They were probably trying to get a following. We're going to rebel against this authority. We're, we're going to reign. We, remember one time they came to our Lord and they said, we want to take you by force and make you a king. That's why they thought Christ came. He's come to set up the, the Jewish kingdom. He's going to reign as king, and we won't be under Roman oppression anymore. Mm-mm. He said, my kingdom's not of this world. My kingdom's from above. But men had this mindset. And these people, he, Gamaliel spoke to these men and used these men. They were examples of people who tried to do something in the arm of the flesh and may pick up a large numbering, large following. But it come to naught. It come to nothing. I'll just ask you right now, whatever happened to the Roman Empire? It's nothing. What happened to Egypt? It's nothing. It come to what about the Church of God? 
Christ reigns in her. Reigns in her. He's not finished with her yet because we're still here. These people were zealous for what they believed in. But both of them came to nothing. It says in one, Psalms 127.1, Except the Lord built the house, they labor in vain that build it. There are a lot of people spend a lot of time and effort and money building them a so-called house that will not stand. It's like a house built on the sand. He said, except the Lord build the house. Who's building his house? How's he building his church? We see this here in the early church in the book of Acts. Other people were trying. He said, if it's a man, it, we've learned that we've learned this much. It will come to nothing. You don't have to mess with it. You don't even have to bother with it. It will come to nothing. But if it's of God, you be careful that you're not fighting against God. That's his business. He builds his house. You know what they did? They, we're going to take Peter and John. We're going to lock them up. Well, go ahead. God sent one angel and brought them out. One place I see, you know, I think it was in the days of Jehoshaphat or one of the other kings, my Ben Hezekiah. The enemy said, we're going to come, we're going to destroy your temple, we're going to destroy, tear down your walls. And God said, don't worry about it. The next morning when they got up, there was 185,000 men laid up dead, killed by one angel. If the Lord built a house, and he built his house, we're not laboring in vain if he builds his house. This is how he builds it. But you know, this man, he told them the truth. And it's like it didn't faze them. They didn't care. We don't care who these men are. We could care less. Because we don't want to lose our power. We don't want to lose our influence. You know what people use? Intimidation. I want you to be afraid of me. If you don't do what I say, I'll come get you. You don't, come, you don't do what we say, we'll throw you in prison. Or if you don't do what we say, we'll beat you. We will beat you. Nobody loves to be beaten. How many times was Paul beaten? Four or five times. He was shipwrecked. Why, why did he suffer all that? He said, I endure all things for the elect's sake. Verse 38 and 39, he said, Refrain from these men, let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be a man, it will come to nothing. But if it be of God, you can't overthrow it. If it's of God, you can't stop it. You think about this, all hell can't stop it. When God intends to save the people, he said, I raise up whole nations and put down whole nations just to save my people. People better be careful when they start blaspheming God. People need to be careful when they start speaking God's name lightly. Be careful. God's a merciful God, but God is a, our God is a consuming fire. Our God's in the heavens. He does whatsoever he pleases. I w would you want to fight God? Fight God? That's what he's saying. You know what our God does? He just laughs. 
It is outright madness for something to think they can fight God. That's just madness. They've heard what God did. And you know they had to have heard what God did to Ananias and Sapphira. These men had heard that. Who did it? It wasn't what Peter did. What the Lord did. Let me tell you this. God's preachers are immortal till they have finished their work. If God has established a work, and you always remember this, they can't nobody or anything overthrow it because the shepherd watches over his sheep. He cares for them. He protects them. They're his sheep. The enemy may try, and they may even think they've overthrown God's work. Remember this verse, Psalm 76, verse 10. Surely the wrath of men shall praise him, and the remainder of wrath he'll restrain it. These men's wrath is the disciples rejoice that they were counted worthy to suffer for his namesake. This man may not have knew Gamaliel, may not have been a believer, but he knew this much. He knew if this is of God, don't you dare speak against it. Don't try to stop it. He knew that. When I was younger, I know as we get older, we reminisce a lot. It seemed like that people that didn't even claim to be believers had a few morals about them. You know, it's even that... A man, he wasn't, he wasn't cussing in front of a woman. That's just, that was a no-no. When a woman walked in a room, a man stood up. That was just being courtesy. If he was going through a door, you let the woman go first. You go, what, what does that matter? Now, now they, don't, they don't have any morals about anything. But this man had enough to know, you don't do this. They may have said, well, I didn't agree with what's going down down there to the church, but I sure ain't speaking against it. I may not understand it, but I ain't speaking against it. I heard Barnard say one time on tape, he went somewhere and God began to move and God began to work and God began to save people in that meeting. And they were some men got disturbed and they wanted him to leave. They, don't, they said, we don't want you coming back the rest of the week. And some old man in that meeting, he said, now, he said, I don't know a whole lot. But he said, I know what that man's saying, and I know what he's saying is the gospel. And we need to be careful what we're doing right here. Be careful. The work of God shall last, and if it be not of God, the sooner it falls, the better. The truth of God and the cause of God and the kingdom of God are not in any way dependent upon men and circumstances. You say, man, that they were just cast into prison. And then they were beaten. They agreed with Gamaliel when, when they called the apostles to come back into the room 
We don't know when they beat them. They could have beat them while they were out. Why do you think, why did they beat them? And what this is, this, someone said that word beaten means to skin. Do you know what it is to skin a deer? I don't know what it is to skin a deer. If you've never seen, seen them skin a deer or a squirrel or anything, you say, it's not saying that they literally skinned them, but that's what it was like beating them. It's like tearing their flesh when all you would see would be muscle. They were brutally scourged with a whip. A whip designated and designed to rip skin. They said sometimes that they would tie their arms behind the post and they would, you don't think about them hitting the man in the chest. And then they would turn him around and tie him and just lacerate. Now they did every apostle, all 11 of them, all 12 of them, beat him for doing what? You know, they say, well, I, I don't want to be beaten again. Paul said, I was beaten. I was shipwrecked. All men forsook me, but the Lord stood with me. They said, don't you preach anymore in Jesus' name. Now, you listen to us. Now, you listen to what we say. We're the authority around here. Everybody around here does what we say, and they know it. Why won't you boys Listen. You're just a bunch of hardheads. You just don't listen. Y'all just can't keep quiet. No, we ain't going to keep quiet. I love to read that about Martin Luther. He nailed that 95 thesis to that door of that church and was telling them everything that was wrong with them. And then they brought him before the, the council. They wanted him to recant everything he said. He said, here I stand. I can do no other. That was God's work, and they couldn't stop it. You know what that man did? You've heard me say he was a German, a German monk. And the normal, average common people didn't have a copy of the Bible, so he copied the scriptures, translated them into German so they could have a Bible, and then we cut what was the Gutenberg printing press. Why did they use that print? To print the Bible. Why did God allow him to invent a printing press? Not just to print books, to print the book. Can you imagine how mad that Catholic church was? We, we, we've controlled these people all these years because you just need to believe what we tell you this book says. You, do, you don't need to read it yourself. Now they have a copy. Well, I don't never read in this book anything about any place called Purgatory. I don't read of anywhere where you're supposed to go into a priest and get into a box and, and pay for your sins and do a few Hail Murrays. It's not in this book. That's exactly right. It's not. And you don't call any man father but God. He's our father. That's what makes so mad. God is God. We're not God. These people thought they were God. That Gamaliel, you know, he, he knew some truths, but he thought he was somebody. I'm somebody. Everybody, everybody, I got a reputation. Everybody knows who I am. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so is it now. All those who claim to be religious, claim to be saved, 
and they are nothing more but a product of the flesh. They've made a decision. They've been baptized. They've been immersed, and they've joined the church, and they, they do a few good deeds and got everybody fooled that they're just as good as honey. And they are nothing more than a product of the, of the flesh. You know what exposes it? When God saves a sinner... I heard someone actually tell somebody. Now, the Lord converted that person. And that other person looked at him and said, that's not fair. I've been trying for years to find peace. I don't have no peace. And how did you get peace so easy? Because it didn't work for it. You want know got peace? You give it to me. They said, that's not fair. After everything I've done and I don't have peace, Ishmael said, oh, I, I've been here for 13 years. I've been the only boy in Abraham's house. Everybody's told me how good I am. I'm going to be the heir to everything Abraham's got. Oh, but one day they find out this woman that can't have a child, she's pregnant. Named Sarah. You ain't supposed to be having children when you're 90 years old. And she has a child. And how'd they have a child? Without God, it's impossible. That's a picture of salvation. Without God, it's impossible. This is God's work. It's God building this house. Abraham thought, and Sarah, she had a good idea. You know, she said, go into my handmaid, and she'll get pregnant. She can, get, she can have a child, and it'll be your son. No, it ain't. It's what you did, Abraham. If Abraham is to have a son, I can see when he has Isaac. I can just see him and holding it in his arms. He said, I want you to see what God did. You see this little baby? This is the promised child. God said, in Isaac shall all the world be blessed. The son of God's going to come through this child. And Abraham believed it. He believed God. But what about Ishmael? I hate that Isaac. The old man that's been there longer always hates the new man. He that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Why did Cain kill Abel? Because Cain's works were evil and his brothers were righteous. And they bring them in. The apostles and their bodies were full of pain. But their hearts were full of joy. How could someone have joy after being beaten like that? That's called grace. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. They leave this council not complaining, not feeling sorry for themselves. They're rejoicing. Every believer will be called upon to suffer for his name's sake. He will never bring more upon us than we can bear, and our Lord will never leave us. Then lastly, you can't stop God's work. Now don't be preaching anymore. Now you, did you hear us? Shake your head, yes or no. I believe they just stood there. 
They done told them, said it is it it's we ought to obey God rather than men. You can threaten us all you want to. We're not changing. If it's just a fleshy change, you can change a man's mind. But if he's ever seen the Lord, you can't deny that you know him. They're not afraid. It said, and every day, and daily in the temple, not just on the Sabbath day, and every day in the temple, in every house. Can you imagine, where's 8,000 people going to meet? They're meeting in the temple. They're meeting in people's houses. They might have, one time we know they were meeting in John Mark's mother's house because when Peter come out of prison, remember when they set him free, he went to her house and is knocking on the door and they're in there praying for Peter and the answer to the prayer is standing at the door and a maid goes and opens the door and comes back and says, it's Peter, Peter. And they said, I don't believe it. <laughs> but they were meeting in her house and we're praying, in every house they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. You know why? That's what God called them to do. That's what he gifted them to do. That's what he sent them to do. And all hell can't stop it. All hell can't stop it. If God ever calls man, he'll send him. If God ever raises up a church, he'll keep it. He'll protect it. It doesn't say she won't be persecuted, that she won't be hated, she won't be despised. But she says church. And what is what have we've learned in the Sermon on the Mount? Vengeance is his, he will repay. If he in me hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink. Lord, take care. That's what they did. They didn't revile. They didn't talk back. They didn't say some. They just bowed. Said, do your worst. 